truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to The Blaze TV, radio, and podcast live and on demand. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre are here with us as well. If you'd like to join us, it's 888-900-3393. That's the number here to The Blaze, 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Coming up a little bit later on today, it's our weekly Monday Town Hall, an hour or two. We're going to do this one, gentlemen, a little differently. It's going to be a virtual town hall because I've been I've been holding on to these for a couple of weeks. We got a ton. It's in, it, even after all the years I've done this for a living. Okay, and and this is actually I started doing this part time twenty years ago. This month, I made my my radio debut doing a weekly sports talk show in Des Moines called the Monday Evening Sports Huddle, mid-October or so, 2019, I want to, or or 1999, or maybe a little bit later. Whenever Walter Payton, was right after Walter Payton died. That was the first show we did. was kind of a retrospective on on sweetness. So I've been at this for 20 years and in various formats. And still, you know, I, I am surprised sometimes at what trips people's triggers. Because this did. We got a, a, a ton of reaction and, and we're going to share this and, I, and it's not slanted all one way. So you guys are not getting set up here. All right. Aaron had a look on his face like <laughs> I'm getting set up here. Yeah. Right. That's the first thing when I saw the email with this. I knew what this yeah. was about. <laughs> no, it's not that. OK. Not that, you know, I would not do that, which I think we all know yeah. I'm capable of it. Yeah. I was right? hoping. I just, yes. Yeah. Don't you know that I just I'm just giving you all the benefit of the doubt in the world, Steve. Yes. Well, it's not a my hall, it's a town hall, right? If we didn't want other people's opinions, sure. We don't sure. do that. We don't do town halls the way CNN does, which is we stack the deck <laughs> yeah. looking for one particular opinion and you're not allowed to give anything else. No, it's we're interested in what if when we ask you what you think, we're interested in it. Now, it doesn't mean we're always going to agree with it. We might we might vehemently disagree and if we do, you know, that's that's okay too. But no, there's there was a lot of opinions on both sides of this. And so we're going to talk about this next hour because I think it it has broader cultural implications as well. Cool. All right. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, our good friend Bob Vanderplotz will be joining us uh, from The Family Leader. But before we get to all of those zany hijinks, here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by sanctions. President Trump on Twitter this morning teased, quote, big sanctions on Turkey coming, end quote. And on Saturday, he spoke to the Values Voters Summit. This week, I directed $50 million to support Christians and other religious minorities in Syria. I did it on Friday. $50 million. This comes after wave upon wave of news stories surrounding Turkey's invasion and proxy war in northern Syria after the United States pulled its forces out of the region last week. How many of those reports coming out of northern Syria are true remains unclear, so we won't talk about that here. Back at home, President Trump held a couple of rallies, one in Minnesota and the other in Louisiana. And your father was never considered smart. He was never considered a good senator. He was only a good vice president because he understood how to kiss Barack Obama's ass. Where's Hunter? They want to go to wind, darling. I just can't watch the show tonight. The wind, it just stopped blowing. 
I can't watch LSU in Florida. There's no wind today. Before the rally in Minnesota, Vice News interviewed a Trump supporter when this happened. Small. Oh, nice. So sorry. <laughs> Are you okay? That's right. I'm fine. Is that Are you serious? You have a better attitude about that than well, I Well, I'm telling you, you know. Uh, <laughs> Does that surprise you? Oh, that did surprise me a little bit. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, thank you for depositing that tolerance juice on my face. Gracias por depositar ese jugo de tolerancia en mi cara. Senator Ted Cruz broke with Trump on the issue of asking foreign governments for dirt on political rivals. China's a, a surveillance state. Is it appropriate for President Trump to be saying yeah. China should look into the Biden family? Is that appropriate? I, look, I, of, of course not. Elections in the U.S. should be decided by, by Americans, and it's not the business of, of foreign countries, any foreign countries, to be interfering in our elections. Even Ukraine? I mean, when, when you're talking about some of this, I mean, uh, do, do you think that, say, the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who's been talking about China, who's been talking about Ukraine, do you want to hear him testify about this sort of shadow foreign policy? Listen, foreign countries should stay out of American elections. That's true for Russia. That's true for Ukraine. That's true for China. That's true for all of them. Checking in on CNN. The Trump rallies are Trump's his, his strong supporters. I mean, lock her up. I mean, all the things he says, all the vicious, mean things he says, they love it. There are these people in this country. They're good Americans. Otherwise, they'll probably give you the shirt off their back. They'll help you if you need. But they have this fixation. They want to return this country to the white Christian country that they believe it should be again. They don't want the diversity. New York Times headline, racists are recruiting. Watch your white sons. Freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez traveled to Copenhagen to talk about, well, you already know. We don't have to project one minute into our future to see that the climate crisis is already here. On this note, I speak to you not as an elected official or public figure, but I speak to you as a human being, a woman whose dreams of motherhood now taste bittersweet because of what I know about our children's future. Beto O'Rourke doubled down on his call to end the tax-exempt status for institutions who don't kowtow to the gays. Even people of good conscience who agree with you on the underlying point that conservative black churches, mosques, uh, Islamic organizations, Orthodox Jewish communities, a number of religiously affiliated HBCUs, they could all lose their tax-exempt status under such a plan. When you are providing services in the public sphere, say higher education, or healthcare or adoption services, and you discriminate or deny equal treatment under the law based on someone's skin color or ethnicity or gender or sexual orientation, then we have a problem. Good luck. Attorney General Bill Barr spoke at the University of Notre Dame Law School recently. Among the militant secularists are many so called progressives. But where is the progress? We are told we are living in a post-Christian era, but what has replaced the Judeo-Christian moral system? What is it that can fill the spiritual void in the hearts of the individual person? And what is the system of values that can sustain human social life? 
The fact is that no secular creed has emerged capable of performing the role of religion. Fox News's Shepard Smith announced Friday was his last day at the network. Apparently, that's a big deal and people care about it for some reason. Forbes headline, Why Pakistan Should Be on Every Solo Female Traveler's Bucket List. How about new? And finally, Saturday Night Live's cold open was one to remember as they parodied the recent CNN LGBTQIA town hall. Thank you very much. Thank you. I went to Harvard, but they don't teach you where to put your arms. (laughs) Our next question comes from Daniel. Yeah, how do you respond to those who say you're not gay in the right way? (laughs) Uh, You know, I've heard that, uh, but there's no wrong way to be gay uh, unless you're Ellen this week. And that's what happened while we were away. Yikes. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you want to take advantage of plunging mortgage rates in a booming real estate market, especially with winter coming, that means you could find some good deals out there on the market. It also could be a good time to sell as people are trying to get into the place they want to move into next before uh, worrying about having to move in the winter. Either way, make sure you go into the market with an agent you can trust. Don't take it for granted that one is easy to find. All right. You want to find somebody whose track record of success has been proven, has been vetted, as has their understanding of the term professional courtesy, as has their ability to put together a marketing plan that entails a little bit more than how about another open house? Okay. Or I'll call you when something's in your price range. Okay. You want to find a real estate agent that you can trust. And here's where you're going to find them. This website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's where you need to go right now before you go into the market. Realestateagentsitrust.com. For today's overtime, we're going to discuss the Shepard Smith thing because I don't care. I, I don't think I can be made to care. And I really don't know why anybody who with a life would, unless they work at the network or they know the individuals involved. I I don't know why anybody cares. I don't. And, but maybe I'm wrong, you know, and maybe this is something we're missing because we live out here in Iowa and we're like totally divorced from a lot of this clickish stuff. And that, that has positives and negatives, you know, it could also mean because we're, because we're detached from the main center, from the main hub, it does at times give us a bit of a, of, of, more of a sober mindedness of what's going on in the, in the rest of the country. On the other hand, it can also leave us um, um, uh, with a lack of understanding when something within the main, you know, hub of the, of the idea sector matters. So we're going to discuss Shepard Smith's departure from Fox news coming up later today in the overtime. If you are not yet a subscriber, to blaze tv but you want to become one blaze tv.com slash dace is how you can get a reduced subscription blaze tv.com slash dace if you're already a blaze tv subscriber cool just hang out after the show today later this afternoon the overtime will be up there posted for you and you can already see that and everything else that we do here at blaze tv each day all right let's get into the montage let's start at the top so the point that aaron made there at the top and just to, just to clarify a few things, because some of you, it's amazing how many people are suddenly foreign policy analysts. All right. 
And 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 this always happens whenever the name Trump is involved, because those of you that want to defend fearless leader at all costs, you know, um, suddenly are experts. And then those of you uh, who want to kneecap them uh, at any expense suddenly find find yourself experts as well. So let, let's reset a few things for the for the the audience in this country that still cares about what the truth might actually be. All right, do not conflate the Kurds in northern Syria with the Kurds in Iraq. They are not the same. All right. Just, just as they're, just as the Americ, just as Americans that live in cities like Austin, Texas, or San Francisco, California, may not be the same as Americans that live in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, uh, or Pensacola, Florida. Right? Okay. They're not, they're, 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 there's there's a diversity of thought and beliefs. All right. So um, to simplify it as best we can, the Kurds that we have fought with in the in the Iraqi region since the first Gulf War would be sort of more of your. Uh, uh, and it's hard to do this when you're talking about worldviews that aren't exactly congruent, but a little bit more pro-West and a little bit more pro-Christian are the Kurds in the, in, in, in the Iraqi region. The Kurds in the Syrian region would be more of your Democrats and if they were in America today. They'd be more of your Marxists. However, they have been aligned with the Christians in northern Syria for many, many years. And they have had anywhere over the years an, an alliance that has gone from a non-aggression pact to they actually fight alongside of one another. At this particular point in history, the, the, the Christian community, which some people estimate is, is upwards of 100,000, maybe approaching six figures in northern Syria, is predominantly aligned with the Kurds in northern Syria. They have been one of their primary defenders against Assad and and. Uh, Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups like ISIS that also have their birthplace in Syria. And that is why the abandonment of the Kurds in northern Syria was thought to endanger the Christian community in that in that part of that country. Am I okay so far? Yes. Believe so. Yep. Okay. All right. So um, the primary reason on this show we have opposed doing this was not because of it, the, the way that it endangered the Christian community in that part of the world. Um, I don't believe that it's the primary goal of the United States government to defend Christian persecution across the country militarily. All right. Across the world. Is that what I said? You said country. Uh, My bad. Thank you for correcting me. It's a similar type of answer that we've given for the government's role on immigration. Yes. It's the U S constitution. It is not the planetary constitution. Okay. Now, I certainly don't think the U.S. government should affirmatively be supporting Christian persecution across yes. the globe either. I think, right? But, but it's not the primary mission of the U.S. military to defend Christians against persecution. This particular reason we were so adamant about it, it just so happens that the Kurds in northern Syria, their interest with the Christian community's interest co- coincide here. The primary concern we have had all along is the message this sends to the rest of that region. Hey, because you have to understand these terrorist organizations are, they have been trying, you know, just like we've told you, the Iranians have been trying to undermine Trump's messaging to the Saudis and other people in that region. Hey, he won't do business with you. He doesn't really mean it. He's just another American colonizer. That's why they're trying to provoke a military response from Trump. They, they want, they want to pull some dead kids out of a building in Tehran. They want to, because they want to be able to go to the rest of the Muslim world who doesn't really like Iran, frankly, a lot of the rest of the Muslim world does not like Iran. They're kind of considered a redheaded stepchild unless you are directly aligned with them militarily and, and with the same terrorist sex that they are. Okay, the Saudis would hate the Iranians if the U.S. didn't even exist. They would not like each other, for example. But so Iran is trying to get back into the good graces of the Muslim world by saying, see, the U.S. doesn't mean it. They won't do business with you. They won't defend common interest. They're the, they're the same Yankee colonizers they've always been. 
Okay. Well, you're, you have to understand Al Qaeda, Hamas, Hezbollah, all of the terrorist cells in that part of the world are trying to use the same messaging against us right now. And they're trying to go to people in places like northern Syria and say, this is why you want to align with us instead. You cannot trust the Americans. Look, they abandoned you guys. This is, they, they, they use this as propaganda against us. And that was our primary concern. On this program, we do not believe in the America as perpetual mall cop of the Middle East strategy. We have been panning it for years. But what we don't understand is what, what, we, what we haven't understood is why choose this particular moment when you're talking about only it's somewhere less than 100 troops. And it, would, and it was in order to protect a group of people who have been dying alongside the American troops in this region and in other regions of that, of that part of the world for decades. Why choose this moment to take your stand when we're still pulling American body bags out of, of Afghanistan for reasons only Allah knows? There, there has no strategic value to us at all to continue to do this. That would seem to be the place to start. It's an erratic decision, and it, it, it could only have negatives. Especially when your alternative buffer is the Turks. So the, the, the grown-ups you're turning to to keep peace in that part of the re- in that region is the Turks with their caliphate wannabe Erdogan. It, I, it, it, this was never going to end well. It just never was. And I think you're seeing from the president's announcement this morning about sanctions coming to the Turks. Um, now, we, we are seeing yesterday the Secretary of Defense essentially threw the president under the bus on national television on one of these Sunday shows. He did it very passive aggressively by saying, we warned Turkey not to do this ahead of time. But, but it's very clear he's speaking to the president. So we don't necessarily, and we told you late last week on this show, heading into the weekend, to be very leery of reports from that region of the world. Be very leery of it because the same media that we see nowadays, which is all it's just broken down largely with a few places like here, the Daily Wire and a few other places with the exception of places like that. The media in America today is Cheeto Jesus saves or Orange Man bad. And, and they're and they're combating, you know, narratives. And in dry humping of each other and hatred of the other is that I don't think that's overly simplistic to you. No, and that, that's the it's not every now and then you might get some crossover transcendent actual reporting. But the driving narrative, the zeitgeist in America's media culture today is orange man must be bad or Cheeto Jesus must save. That's what's the that's that's what's driving the zeitgeist. And so in light of that, a whole bunch of organizations who didn't seem to matter and didn't seem to care when Barack Obama didn't offer support to these to these people when he was president are now going to suddenly claim to be foreign policy experts. And we saw that this weekend. Right? And we told you last week, while being critical of the president's position on this, we also told you, because on this show, we're adults. Or at least we're trying to be. I can't speak for a whole lot of other people in, in working in this industry today. But we're trying to be adults on this show. And adults have to draw distinctions. Adults have to be willing to accept facts they may not like because the consequences of not doing so are even worse than the facts themselves, right? This is the world that adults have to live in. And so while we, we thought this was a terrible policy decision by the president and largely made for erratic reasons and thought it had almost no chance of being successful, we also had to recognize, though, 
that there were going to be plenty of political opportunists in the orange man bad category that were suddenly going to care about a northern Syria region that when Barack Obama let Assad violate his red lines by gassing his own people, they couldn't they couldn't be bothered. Did we not say that on the show last week as well? Yeah. So you saw that, I think, play out this weekend. That's why we're not responding to almost any of these reports. We will respond when the Secretary of Defense says this stuff. We will respond when the President of the United States says that the actions he has seen is going to lead him to put punitive sanctions on Turkey. We will respond to that. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know that, the, that a Washington Post video knows their head from a hole in the ground. And frankly, I don't trust them not to just be planting stuff. I, and, I'm, and I hate being in that position, man. I hate it. But I don't, I don't trust most of the information that we're given today. Well, that's just planting is just the reverse of what Chuck, Chuck Todd did this week. And I can't in good conscience actually show you the news. That's what he yes. told America. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's he, in good conscience. He went to work every day next to Matt Lauer's rape dungeon. Because oh, I've, yeah. I've been in that building. I, I know where they work. I know where their studios are. I've been in there. So, yeah, in good conscience, though, he did walk by Matt Lauer and go to work there every day next to his rape dungeon. In good conscience. He was able to, to do that, amazingly enough. Um, so I don't trust any of this. I do trust, though, when the Secretary of Defense is throwing his own, his own administration's policy under the bus on national television. And I do trust when the president, in response to his own policy, says, just a few days later, I'm sending relief pa- millions of dollars of relief package, and I'm sending, and we're going to sanction the Turks for exceeding the mandate that they were given to go in there. That I trust. And what that confirms, at the very least, is this was never going to work. And the mistake that the president made here is the, is the same mistake that has been made every time we've tried this. This, under, this, this notion that we're going to find the special, extra special, moderate Muslim leader here that, that looks out for Western interests. No, you're not. What you can find is an LCC in Egypt who understands the term mutual vested interest, that you may find. You may find that. And Barack Obama didn't want Al-Sisi. In fact, he sided with the Arab Spring. One of the first things Trump did as president was to reach out to him smart. You will find people who understand mutual vested interests. Trump, I think, believes Erdogan has mutual vested interests, understands that because they've done business together. Erdogan is an Islamist in a Brooks Brothers suit. He's not Ataturk. He's the Ottomans. He's not corporate. He's the mob on the Vegas Strip trying to make Islamism go legit. This was never going to work. It was never going to work because this is the same fallacy we've always tried. Well, you know, I sat down with with Karmazi in Afghanistan, and he seemed like a de- no, he's not, and and we saw how that turned out. Every time we believe we have found the one, Lethavia, the member of NATO, shouldn't be, he shouldn't be. Every time we have tried this, it has failed. We have a te- other than that though. I'm saying there's a chance. We have a terrible track record when it comes to identifying point people in that part of the world. A lot of it is based off of 
in, in the past, progressive State Department wish casting. In the present, it's, well, I did deals with this guy, so I know him. No, you don't. You weren't using him. He was using you. Swallow your pride and recognize that before more people die. Yet that's why abandoning the Kurds was a terrible idea, even if these ones are more Marxists, because they had demonstrated they understood mutual vested interest. Because they had died next to us in the cause of mutual vested interest. Hotel in Istanbul, I, my children died in the cause. What do you think is a better example of mutual vested interest, do you think? A hotel in Istanbul with my name on it, or these people who sent their babies to die next to American troops in a, in, in, in a common cause? You give that a shot. Binary choice. It's, one or the other. It's close, but the latter. Yeah, probably your life, I would guess. You go with the people who demonstrate mutual vested interest, not the people who pass the worldview test. That part of the re- world worldviews are a genetic booyah base. Good luck. The Islamists can't even agree on their own worldview in that part of the world. They keep writing and rewriting their own hadiths. Hey, I don't like that one. Let me write another one. All right? They don't even know what the hell they're talking about half the time. So just go with the people who have shown they're willing to die next to you in common cause. That's the only vetting tool you can go with. This is the mistake that was made. And it's obvious he's recognizing he's made a mistake by sending them $50 million of relief and punitive sanctions the Turks way. Any thoughts on that before we move on? I have one. Another thing that really bothers me about this. If this was going to be more of a a writ large pullout, like the one you said you could have a discussion about, like just get across the If we were just moving out totally, I would not have said anything about it. Well, and we understand there's no way to do that without consequences on some level. You know, you're going to make the omelet, some eggs are going to get broken. Uh, Here's the thing. He he does it at this micro level. He he break. We we're not sure the extent to which the eggs have been broken, but some are being broken. He's doing it here. Yet w- domestically, the border, Planned Parenthood, uh, religious freedom. That that's what also drives me nuts about this. Where he's it, he's always pandering and posturing, and he's never breaking the eggs here at home there's going to be consequences here at home with what he does too but in a way we've all been waiting for that's when you say he's erratic it's not just here in foreign policy he's erratic everywhere and there's no way out of that you no man you're not none of us are the holy spirit no man can rise above their own worldview all right there's only one force on earth well two there's 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 situational existential moments where it's you realize survival is so at stake that you do things beyond your own capabilities and character because of what the moment calls for. Short of that, those extraordinary circumstances, however, the only other force on this planet that helps us to rise above our own worldview is the Holy Spirit of the one true God because it changes our worldview so that we can rise above the cruddy one we previously had. Okay? And... He doesn't have the Holy Spirit at work in his life, guys. He's not a believer. He's not a convert by his own admission. So you're going to get this kind of erratic behavior. And in many respects, a lot of people feel like it's, this is, this is, he's like Nicholas II and Rasputin rolled into one. Okay. And then the Democrats, thank you, Beta O'Rourke and Elizabeth Warren are the, are the, are the Bolsheviks. Okay. And, 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 and this is the second time with Beto, by the way, that 
like one of those lefty cable news anchors has tried to get him to be, re, like, you can sense in that question, hey, have you considered the, the synagogues and the mosques? You know, we need these religious minorities. They vote for us. You know, uh, black churches, they, they vote for us. Are you really sure? You know, yeah, we use that. We say stuff like that, but we don't really mean it. And we just use that, you know, to, to, to talk about how racist those white evangelicals are. But are you really sure you want to go down the road of a blanket tax exempt, uh, you know, uh, with, with, withholding here? I mean, have you thought about what the full, you know, we only, these are just talking points. We don't really mean this stuff. And Beto representing your new leftist says, well, maybe you didn't before, but we do now. So, Yeah. Just like with the gun confiscation, I think it was a CNN reporter that tried to do that with them on guns a, few, a couple of months ago, right? Yep. Are you really sure you're talking? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's an MSNBC guy saying, yeah, we always, yeah, listen, we say stuff like this about white evangelicals who don't vote for us, but we don't really mean it. And he's like, damn skippy, we do. They've always meant this. If you're, if you're a Muslim, of, of, with, an, with I just vehemently disagree with you. They hate you. If you're, uh, if, 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 if you're a member of a black church preaching orthodoxy, they've always hated you. They've been using you this whole time. Hell, Tavis Smiley was saying that on BET 20 years ago, man. They're just using you. And what, and what, what Beto is showing you is this truth. It, it doesn't matter what the packaging is, what the skin color is, what the language is. If you hold on to any form of moral orthodoxy that violates their explicit commands from the government is God crowd, you will be made to care. And when they're done with the white evangelicals, they're going to go to your mosques and they're going to go to your synagogues and they're going to go to your black evangelical churches too. All Beta O'Rourke is doing is telling the truth that has always been the truth this entire time. And that's what they're mad about as he's letting the cat out of the bag. More in a moment. Back here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast, I'm Steve Day. Say, hey, if you're one of millions of Americans struggling every day with what's known as chronic pain, Relief might be one website away. Go to relieffactor.com right now and get the starter kit. It's a dollar a day for three weeks, $19.95, 20 bucks for three weeks. What do you have to lose? Except maybe, finally, hopefully the pain. I am a daily user of this product, swear by it. And I was skeptical. You know, I used to appear every now and then on shows here on The Blaze as a guest. And I'd hear the hosts raving about it. And I'm like, it cannot be that good. And then when they asked me to sample it here, I, I was blown, blown away by the results. All right. And what I love about it the most is the fact that it's 100% drug free, even though it's a formula that was devised by doctors. So these are healthcare professionals who can prescribe drugs, but then have recognized, you know, there is some healing power within the body that it was created with. And, and we spend too much time as physicians here treating symptoms. How do we help the body to heal itself in certain ways? Now, if you've got a, an illness or an injury, you need medical, you know, professional medical care for that. But if you're dealing with inflammation, that's what's causing the chronic pain, your body was made to push back against it. And with the help of Relief Factor, I believe it can be uh, as well for you as it has been for me. Four key all-natural ingredients specifically to help your body win the battle against chronic pain. Try it right now for three weeks. That's how confident 
confident they are. They'll offer it to you for a dollar a day for three weeks because they're so confident that you're going to see results. You're going to come back for more. All right. Relieffactor.com is the website. That's relieffactor.com. Let's welcome in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, Bob. Good to be here, Steve. Now, I'm that guest on Blaze going, I probably need to get some of this stuff. You need to try it, man. I'm just telling you, I swear by it. There's sometimes I watch the news and I'm thinking, I need Ah, (laughs) relieffactor.com. Nice. Well, let's let's get to two stories that I, I think absolutely pinpoint where a lot of, of voters are going into this election next year, okay? And and let's start with the foreign policy story where we have seen for the first time in his presidency, people like Franklin Graham, people like Pat Robertson, um, there have been others. Mike, Mike Huckabee, Huckabee, Tony yeah. Perkins. I mean, Mike Huckabee has put together an entire lexicon of bad dad jokes, all right, in defense of the Trump presidency these past few years. And even he has broken from the president here. Uh, our mutual friend of ours, Joe Rosenberg, I mean, you brought him here from Jerusalem for his last book signing tour about, what, six months ago, I think yep. that was? And he's coming again. And, and I went to that event, and I thought I was going to a Joe Rosenberg debrief, and a Trump rally broke out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had just come from the White House. I mean, he could not have been more pro-Trump more at pro that Trump. point. And even he's out there now saying this was a bad decision by the president. And clearly the president now believes he made some form of a bad decision. It's funny. We were just talking about I don't trust like Washington Post videos. And I went during the break on Twitter and saw (laughs) ABC News put out a video claiming it was northern Syria, but it was a Kentucky gun range. First of all, you guys have some dope gun ranges down there in Kentucky, by the way. (laughs) That gun range ought to be like, that's a commercial, number one. If that happens at your gun range, I want to stop by. It was a military, I think, training range. Oh, okay. But but, but, But still. But literally, while we were talking about this, this story broke about this fake news. Nonetheless, all right, set aside the orange man bad media. Your own Secretary of Defense is pointing this out. You yourself are admitting. That, that this has gone wrong by you sending a humanitarian aid package there, and now you're going to punitively uh, you know, uh, punish uh, Erdogan and the Turks for what's going on there right now. Why did anyone think this was not going to turn out bad? Well, I think a lot of people did think it was going to turn out bad, and I think they did consult the president on this. As a matter of fact, the president also said, if you saw over the weekend, that he's kind of an island of one on this decision, meaning everybody's deserted him. I think the people he relies on for counsel, the people he relies on to have his back at every turn, he's saying, uh, no, this is not the counsel we'd give you. We tell you to you know, to uh, reverse strategy quick. Uh, and that's why I think it was very telling when you saw Governor Huckabee and Tony Perkins and Franklin Graham and others, Pat Robertson. But I think Pat Robertson said, this is a mistake of biblical proportions, meaning it is that catastrophic. And then the decision 48 hours, because there were, there were some good people, you know, that you, I frankly agree with on a whole lot of other fronts. Sure. That were, that were attempting, you know, to, to provide him some cover on this last Tuesday, Wednesday. But then on Thursday when they announced, and because a lot of us on the right are whatever here is and then another 10 floors done with standing perpetual post foreign policy in sure. Muslim lands for, to accomplish nothing. Okay, and so there were some good people that went out there for about 48 hours and tried to defend the president on this as part of that overall narrative, which he did run on in, sure. in, the, in the primary and then also in the general. But then he went out there on Thursday. You want to talk about an island of one. 
he feels like he's been deserted. He deserted a lot of those people that were defending him when he went out there on Thursday and then announced, but we are going to send 2,000 troops almost. That's almost, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's almost 400% more troops than we had defending Christians from the Turks in northern Syria. Okay. We're now not going to, we're going to, so we're going to cancel that so that 2,000, and special forces, mind you, like some of the best we have, so that 400% more American troops, including special forces, can go defend Mecca? But they're uh, going to get paid. But we're going to get paid And then for his it. defense was, well, they're paying us for it. So the U.S. military is, we're mercenaries now. That, and, and you'll notice the people defending him on this, like, Puff the magic, it like they disappeared. Now they weren't going to come out and rip him either, but all the full-throated defenses of this disappeared with that decision because it undermined the very narrative that they were trying to put up there. Sure, we're going to get out of this endless war only to perpetuate another Middle right. East strategy, but they happen to be paying for these troops while the Kurds are not. But remember, the Kurds were such an ally of ours uh, against ISIS. I believe it was Rand Paul who said they deserve their own country. He did say that, yeah. And now, and they're they're basically operating on on the integrity of the United States government, and then we back away from them, and it was like, boom, we're backing away from them. There's no strategy, there's no plan, but we're and we're going to put the reins over to a Turkish thug. I don't think it's a wise and, move at all. And you know, I talked about this last segment. The mistake that he made here, in my view, is the mistake that we have made since nine eleven. This this notion that we can find the extra special person, or we can, or, or that that we know how to create alliances and coalitions there, and our track record is terrible. What used to happen under Bush and Obama is the progressives in the State Department had their fanciful notions of the Muslim freedom fighter and the moderate Islam that doesn't exist, you know, yep. in that, anywhere in that part of the world. And so that's where their projecting came from, and that's why Obama was actually pro Arab Spring, anti El Sisi, and. In this case, it wasn't progressive wish casting. It's why well, I could deals with this guy. You know, I've got a hotel. There's a Trump hotel in Istanbul. You know, him and Ivanka are tight. And it's this notion that because you cut deals with him, he can be trusted. We need to go with a really utilitarian policy here. If you have shown you're willing to die alongside U.S. interests, then you understand. You've met with LCC. You bet. Okay. I have no idea what his beliefs are, and I don't care. I don't live in Egypt. Not my job. What I want to know is, does he understand mutual vested interests between the U.S. and Egypt? He does. So far. Sure, he Hosni does. Mubarak, he understood that for nearly 30 years. Okay, but we, but the Obama, they had to get rid of Mubarak because he's a corruptocrat and bring the Arab Spring in with the moderate Islamists again. Sure. All right. Trump in this time around just said, well, I cut deals with this guy, so he must not be a bad guy. He's a very bad guy. He's a thug. He has, he's, he has his own wannabe caliphate and he's not Ataturk. He's the Ottomans. And that's the mistake that was made here. It's another attempt to believe we know the formula for the finding of the ally in that part of the world. And here was the message I think was sent to President Trump. Because at Dork College, where I'll be speaking at tomorrow night, Sioux Center, Iowa, that is where Donald Trump said, at Dork College, Sioux Center, Iowa, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and I won't lose support. What he found out, you abandoned the Kurds, you put Christians in danger. He started to see that evangelical base and support quickly, quickly voice their, their displeasure and that they could fade away because of that type of policy. To me, that was their Popeye moment. That was their bridge too far moment. But then they Tough take- to claim God's anointed when we abandon the Christians to the Turks in Syria, but then send troops to Mecca. 
kind of that, that that's a hard narrative that's a, to that's back a hard up. god's anointed narrative to follow up yeah. follow through with there and now i think where you're going to go though steve is that you also saw a scene in town hall and yeah let's let's go it, let's, like like where, where do you go now yeah there's, see there's 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 a lot of americans that would like him not to be president anymore we're just going to be brutally honest, okay? In fact, I think a majority of Americans would like him to not be the president of the United States anymore. And they're passionate about it. And, and, and I'm not even just talking about lefties. I think, I think the vast majority of, of our places, people that we live with in our suburban neighborhoods would just like this era to end. They're tired of the drama. But here's the problem. There's a lot of, you might, you might have not, have not have liked when, when, when the Romanovs moved Rasputin into the palace either. But have, are you listening to what the Bolsheviks are saying out there in St. Petersburg Square? Are you listening with their, Are you listening? Are you watching what the Bolsheviks and Mensheviks are doing out there in the streets of Moscow? Are you watching that? And and you know we're going to come after all your guns. We're going to take you're an enemy if you if you will not sign up for the for the 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 new morality. You're an enemy of the state. And and. And it's not just a talking point against the white evangelicals who vote 81% of the time. We just showed you the video. We got an MSNBC reporter, anchor, basically pleading with Beta O'Rourke, get back on message. What about black churches who vote overwhelmingly for us? What about synagogues, Jews who vote overwhelmingly for us? What about Muslims, mosques who vote overwhelmingly for us? Yeah, hey, that's a nice talking point to rip the Bob Vanderplatzes of the world with. But everybody knows we don't really mean it because there's plenty of religious institutions that don't agree with us on the rainbow jihad. But we need to turn them out on election day. And what does Beto say? What they've what they've been saying in academia and in, and in their heart of hearts when they don't think we're paying attention, what they've been saying since this whole lie campaign began more than a decade ago. He's telling you the truth. You, We're just the first target. And then once we're out of the way, they'll be going to your mosque and your synagogue and your black church next. Okay, If you will not align with the new morality, then you will be made to care. You're an enemy of the state. And so this is where a lot of Americans are like, I want the, I, I'm tired of the Nicholas the second act. He's like Nicholas the second and Rasputin together. If they had a kid, Donald Trump would be the child and I'm tired of watching it. But, but just when you're about enough is enough, hit the eject, you, you, you flip channels and the Bolshevik, the Bolsheviks are on and you don't know what to do. I, I, there are so many people I think in America that feel this way. Well, there's no doubt. There's a lot of people who feel caught, but I think when you have to take a look at Beto O'Rourke, you have to ask yourself, why did he go there? He's a desperate candidate with a failing campaign, who then cast a desperate vision that he knows the underbelly believes in. I mean, this is a way for me to, to get popped up because, you know, Elizabeth Warren has overcome Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has quickly become a, not a, a factor or a force. And we need to get way to the left of Joe Biden of who's going to be our nominee. So Beto O'Rourke, first of all, says, I'm going to take your guns. And remember the applause he got out of that at that debate? Mm-hmm. It went, I'm going to take the guns. You doggone, I forget the words he used, but they weren't great, but doggone right, I'm going to take those guns. So now what you do, you say to America, I'm going to disarm the citizenry of America, but then I'm going to force conformity. Steve, this is where you and I, we go back to this a lot. Nine years ago, we had this debate about, and we're like, how will, how will gay marriage impact you? How, why, why would that impact Steve and Amy or Bob and Darla or anybody else's marriage here? And we would give kind of out there kind of things about if you change the parameters of marriage, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. Yep. Never did we think it would be a thing of, and by the way, your church will be forced to conform. Because remember then the left's talking point, those who wanted same-sex marriage, you go ahead, do what you want in your own church. 
You go ahead, do what you want in your own four walls. Just let me have the same access. Let me go to my church down the street, my courthouse down the street. It doesn't have to be your church. But now the real cat is out of the bag. It's your church as well. You will be made to care. You'll be forced to conform. And if Elizabeth Warren is the nominee, you saw her literally applauding child abuse last Thursday as a campaign plank. When a woman who ought to be arrested, I believe, for child abuse brought her nine-year-old son up there to say, I'm turning him into a girl. Uh, You saw her say we should decriminalize spreading um, an often lethal, uncured disease, HIV. That it ought to be, well, and by the way, you might as well. I mean, I don't turn on a television show or or a ball game nowadays where there's not this drug commercial for a drug that masks the fact you're HIV positive out there. So go, you know, we're going to mask the fact you're HIV positive. So go out there and you be you. Celebrate pride. Celebrate getting tested as well. Yes. So you know, you know, eventually they're going to ask her about Beta or Works comments. You know she's going to affirm them. Sure they. I mean, they asked her that thing last Thursday, and they said, "Hey, it was just a few years ago that you're like taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for, you know, uh, tranny surgeries for self mutilations." And she's like, "Were you wrong to say? Yep, I was dead wrong." Yep. You know she's going to stand there and applaud whatever bearded lady they throw up from her base, and they're they're not going to. The Democratic Party isn't going to offer. And I, I want. I just want to make sure everybody understands. We're not going to lie to you about who Donald Trump is on this show. But we're not going to let you get away with lying to yourself about what the Democratic Party is at the exact same time. Okay? Do not deceive yourself. If you decide, and, and, and if you decide this, you made that decision, and I don't blame you for it. It ain't, it ain't like, you know, these days Trump's going out of his way to win your vote. But understand the cost of that protest will be. And I say this as someone who has plenty of days where I wish the guy wasn't the president anymore. And, and right now I'm concerned he's going to sentence me and my kids to an Elizabeth Warren presidency with the way he's currently behaving. Which makes this entire conversation irrelevant. He keeps making half-assed decisions like what we just did in Turkey with, with, the, with northern Syria. But understand, the cost of this is going to be the stuff we used to theoretically warn ourselves about. That we knew that ultimately that's where they wanted to go. They just wouldn't say it out loud. They're now saying this out loud. And I just think there needs to be an understanding of that. That's all. Well, there does need to be an understanding of that. And for us as Christians, I think it'd be good to just you know rally your audience back. For us as Christians, we are still called to look higher. Think bigger. But we also need to be wise as well. And take a look at what the landscape is. I tell a lot of my friends, you know, you're going to have two very flawed individuals running for president with two very different visions for America. One that you see on the CNN town hall with the LGBTQ, where it's trans, transgenderism. We're going to take away your tax exempt status. We're going to make you care. We're going to force conformity while we disarm the citizens. That's going to be one. And quite frankly, Trump had the upper hand a lot by some of the decisions he made, like you said before, as a never Trumper is that the reason you're never Trump, because he did not have a record. But now he has a record. And a lot of that was good. But this decision with abandoning the Kurds and in, and in, and in Syria and giving it over to, to the Turks, that has become another caution flag with the Trump presidency. You have any thoughts on this, talk? Lots, probably. 
I think, of course, aiming higher is the goal. But aiming higher, as I said before earlier, in terms of where we choose to break the eggs, that that's the key. There, there's no way where this is aiming higher is going to be clean. One of your favorite movies about uh, Martin Luther. It, it's it's a well-made movie, and there's a great line when the, his mentor is trying to massage things, and he grabs him by the wrist and says, did you not think there would be a cost? That's our problem. Aiming higher, it, it should not fill us just with warm fuzzies. It is gird your loins time if you aim higher. And that's why I pause for a second. I keep trying to find a different way to say basically the same thing. This is not going to be easy. We are called to something that is on par with the founding fathers putting their lives, fortunes, and sacred honors on the line. I think I, I think it's going to get bloody. Look at the news cycle. We are going insane. So get this figured out. Make your peace with God. Bend the knee and start doing at least the small stuff that is required because we're not even doing that right now. Well said. Bob, good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. And Aaron. When they're so sloppy that they, and, and the president is admitting his own error by his own actions, there, there's no need to lie. There's no need to cheat. And yet they're going to put out a video claiming it's northern Syria from a Kentucky gun range anyway. I think that should just be another reinforcement of what these people really think about the rest of the country. All right. Even when the truth is on their side, they'll still lie to you. More in a moment. And greetings. Happy Monday, hour two here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, but remember, they don't really like us, so good luck with that. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Did you know, those of you that like worldview theology stuff, we were just talking about that in the last hour of the program, did you know there's actually more discussion of money or references to money in the Bible than pretty much any other topic, including the preeminent topic in the Bible, salvation? That's right. There's like 780, I think it's 783 is the exact number of references to money. And yet, a lot of us who call ourselves believers still really have no idea why that is the case. Yeah, you kind of know, you know, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. You can't serve two masters, but it's more encompassing than that. I mean, one of the reasons when we were founded that you couldn't have taxes go above 10%, and last year, the American people uh, spent more on taxation and government fees collectively than we did food and shelter. Well, how come originally it was, wasn't supposed to be more than 10%? Well, I mean, because... If God only demanded a 10% and government is lesser than God, government shouldn't be demanding any more than that. Kind of makes sense now. It seems radical, weird nowadays. Why did we have a, a commodity-backed currency, meaning a gold standard, meaning a, 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 a tangible source determining what your money is worth as opposed to a printing press 
backed by nuclear weapons. That's what we have now. All right. Why, why did we switch from that system to this one? Well, so we could have a welfare state. The progressives couldn't realize their, uh, their, their Keynesian visions without, uh, in, under the old system. So they had to kick God out of the money and out of the economy and to have the system they wanted. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Does that sound like what's going on on virtually every other front? Well, there was a reason it began with the money. Because you were never going to volunteer to write a check on your own, to have your kids brainwashed at the university for $500 a credit hour. Almost none of you were going to do that. But you're subsidizing it anyway. How did we get here? That's why you want to get this free report and DVD from our good friends over at Swiss America, what the Bible says about money. Where, where did your constitutional money policy go? Why, why are we conditioned to live in a negative savings area or era as Americans today? You want to get this report and it's free. Go to SwissAmerica.com What the Bible says about money report and CD. It's free or you can call them at 800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or again, go to SwissAmerica.com. Before we turn the page to our virtual town hall, any any fun, Aaron, I've not given you a chance much today. We kind of ran out of time. But um, any thoughts on how the events, before we turn the page, of last week, the conundrum of the average American who doesn't find themselves either rooting against Donald Trump at all, to- at all times or cheering for him at all costs, who is like, you know, it- it'd be great to have an adult back in the White House again. And then you look at what the other side wants to run on and offer you. And even Joe Biden is out there, you know, was out there trying to be down with the struggle of that event Thursday in the most painful yeah. ways possible. And you realize they're not going to provide you a safe harbor to move on from Donald Trump at all. I mean, the, the cost of you moving on is going to be Marxism. That's the cost. And they're making that clear. It is true that it is it is a conundrum and a legitimate one, as I think we've always said on this show, it is a legitimate conundrum that we find ourselves in. What we have always tried to avoid, however, is the false choice between uh, Cheeto Jesus saves and Orange Man bad. And I would say what I was thinking about when Todd was talking and Todd was talking about the hard choice that we have and the, the hard road uh, that we that we face ourselves with here in the United States. What I was thinking is, what is the first step in getting out of whatever this is? With that being the case, that it is going to be hard. Let's just admit first that it is going to be hard to actually find and maybe make the system work for the people that it was designed to work for in the first place. It is going to be hard. So just admit that from the outset. Then what it is what is it that you can actually control? And for some reason during that entire that entire conversation, I keep coming back to the emotional investment that so many people um, in what's left of America have had in the magic R and the people who have represented the magic R. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure if this is necessarily germane or maybe I'm just still hungover from a weekend of seeing both of my beloved teams lose again, but I keep coming back to this emotional attachment that we have in our leaders. We need to stop that and start looking at this as a purely transactional process. Now, if that leads you to voting for Donald Trump as a nunchuck 
see back with the uh, back, back with the Napoleon Dynamite references now. If that <laughs> leads you to voting for Donald Trump because you think he's got the best opportunity to provide a nunchuck, even though you know that when you try to wield him, it might snap back and hit you in the face sometimes. If you think that that's the the choice that you need to make because of this, because that's the transactional process that we've got, then that's great. But we you have to stop. We we've got to stop again looking at politicians and politics. And anything that has or touches this system as any means of a savior. And that gets back to what we've repeated verbatim, verbatim ad nauseum for the last three years that we are in desperate need of revival. Not for the sake of saving America, again, for the upteenth time, but for the sake of saving souls. Because it is clear, it is clear that that is what our nation is most in need of right now. So... I don't, I don't know. Mitigate politics. Maybe that's the thing. Mitigate the politics. Just say, hey, um, you know what? Uh, I, I don't like Marxism, so I'm going to vote for the other guy. I'm going to vote for whatever, whatever has the least chance of actually pointing a gun at my face. Even if it's a gun in my general direction, whatever, whatever has the least chance of actually having a gun pointed right at my face, I'm going to vote for the, I, I'm going to vote for that. That's fine. That's a transactional process. But again, I, I'm, it just keeps keeps coming back to this uh, politics system, politicians as savior thing. I think that's the first that's the first thing that we got to get over. That's a campaign message. You want a binary choice: a gun pointed at your general direction, or or I fart in your general direction, Monty Python. Right? Yeah. That's a that but that that I think that's how that this gets summed up most days and here's where i think we are in trouble with what you just articulated the amount of people who can't tolerate that who have to believe yeah. that the guy they're voting for is heaven born if not just heaven sent your letter writer from friday perhaps yeah yeah the amount of people who can't just soberly say this is a blank and clown show, bro, most days. But he ain't a communist. So, you know, I know I, I I've seen I've seen cultures survive clown shows. I haven't seen one yet survive communism. That might be a, a, an argument that might even persuade you to get off the sidelines, right? But the amount of people that just they need to believe that the 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 party and or the person they're voting for is a perpetual in in perpetual motion towards harmonic convergence that just they can't just see it that way and i think that's what makes this and that's where a lot of, when you really boil it down that's the spirit of why they hate our show or disagree with how we approach things so vehemently is really that the idea that it's it it's just not good enough that blankety blank isn't a Marxist. He needs to be a he the hero of the story at the same time. They know they're addicted, and they know how hard it is for them to stop being addicted. It's a lot easier to lash out at you, man. That's what's going on. And now. I make it an easy target sometimes. I, let's face it. I, I it's your I, spiritual gift. I, I do like and I like provoking these very people. <laughs> it's convenient. <laughs> You know, and so they gave you a show. <laughs> yes, that's why we have the microphone here. All right, let's get to it. It's our it's our Monday town hall this week. We're going to do it a little differently. It's going to be a virtual town hall. 
because something came up on buy, sell, or hold two or three weeks ago. Oh, Nelly. Yes, thank you, Keith Jackson. Man, I miss you. Yeah, I know. Um, it, it And it ended up being like a a 20-minute oh, battle royale between the three of us. Really, it was you two against me. All right? Back and forth it went. In response to this, I got a ton of emails. And Depressingly so? I, 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 no. Okay, it just, good. I, I'm very I, curious I, about Like I said last going. hour, I can still, after doing this for 20 years now, I can still be surprised by what will trip an audience's trigger. You know? And this one did. It tripped ours, and we didn't see and that it, coming. And so. it, yeah, that's a great point. It tripped ours, and who, who knew that it was going to be that big of an issue? So what I have done for this hour is I've put together as a virtual town hall. I, I, I took all of the voluminous emails and notes we got about this, and I've, I've put it down to one, two, three, like seven notes. Maybe eight, but they're pretty equal. You know, If they're one side or another, it's four to three. I mean, you're going to see both sides are represented here. And, and I mean, some of these notes I got were really long. I mean, people, that, that indicates passion about this. Well, I would be derelict in my duty as a broadcaster if my audience did not show passion about something that, you know, doesn't involve an inherently immoral activity like human trafficking, okay? I would be derelict in my duty as a broadcaster if my audience showed this level of passion about a topic if I didn't explore that passion further, right? Okay. Not to mention, I think that this has broader conversations about the culture writ large at the same time. I'm certain of that. So I, we're going to take each of these individually. I've done my best to not edit anybody out of context. I just, I can't with these emails that are this long. I cannot do that. They're too long. But I've tried to edit them down as best I can to get the spirit what I thought you were trying to communicate. And they represent both sides of this argument. All right? You guys ready to do this? Yeah. You bet. All right. And so the argument at hand is... Is it a bad thing for video games to be considered, like in the form of esports, a profession? Should we be making blanket characterizations about what that means for us as a culture, or just realize it's a technological advancement? It's an opportunity for somebody to make a living, and they're not doing anything inherently immoral with it. What's the problem, right? Is that, you think that's a fair bottom lining of the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about this? Right now, I think it probably is that might need adjusting after we get to the okay. end of this, only because I'm still yeah, uncertain th- what ground I'm standing on. Okay. And I think, yeah, and I think Todd and I's contention was whether or not this is a worthwhile pursuit for a uh, for 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 uh, the betterment, the general betterment of a human being. I don't know if I articulated that quite yeah. quite See, clearly, but I think that was one of Todd and I's. And one of the things well. I said is, you know there was the, a Fortnite tournament earlier this year. And I want to say the guy who finished in ninth place or sixth place. I can't remember which one it was, but it wasn't like the top three walked out of there. A kid, a 12 year old kid that finished in outside the top three made like 99 grand or no 990 grand is what it was. Okay. And I realized that I don't know that I have made that much in my career total. Mm-hmm. And I, if, if Noah was good enough at Fortnite that he could make 990 grand winning a Fortnite tournament, I, I certainly wouldn't, you know, uh, that's an easier way to make a living than hot roofing on a 97 degree Iowa July day. Okay. I mean, that, that we're kind of doing the same thing. We're sitting here in a, in an air conditioned or, or heated studio, depending on what time of year it is. Right. It's still air conditioned. 
It, it will be the whole thing. Well, yeah. that's because, yes, the, because I must have, my, one of the, my professional goals is I need to know, can I get a studio colder than Glenn Beck's? All right. Because I, I, it's one of the few times in my life I walked into a room and I thought it is too cold in here. And now my pride has been challenged and I need to know, can I get my own studio colder than Glenn Beck's? All right. You're proof that conditioning works too, because I'm just totally unfazed by this now. <laughs> Apparently, I just walk in and it's just, it's just the baseline. Yes, you just I'm anticipated. Never, I'm never cold at home. Just moving on. Yes. So, um, we. Th- I thought, hey, if Noah can make a living doing that, you know, what's wrong with that? I'll start reading. Let's right, find let's out go. if you're right. Let's go. This is this is a first guy. His name is David. Games like Fortnite and Minecraft are basically the video game equivalent of bowling or pool. Escapes that are simply fun. That is not to say video games cannot become toxic, but the medium itself is just that, a medium. But they can also be much more than that. They can be a medium for phenomenal storytelling. An incredibly good example comes from a universe you and Todd are very familiar with, Star Wars. I'm not sure how familiar you are with a game called Knights of the Old Republic, uh, which came out several years ago. The story has incredible depth, and video games can be a storytelling device that is really unmatched by other mediums. A storytelling device that it can examine the good, the true, and the beautiful as Todd likes, just as much as a movie or a TV series can, if done well. Your thoughts? I have no quarrel with that sentiment. I think, in essence, uh, that is true. None of that takes things to the place of obsession or idol. I think he makes a strong argument. I would agree with that as well. With specific games, I'm not nearly as uh, well-versed with Fortnite as I am with um, Minecraft. Minecraft is basically Legos that you don't have to spend nearly as much money doing. If you play it in a specific specific mode, you can definitely learn and explore creativity, like legit creativity uh, within Minecraft. I also agree that it's a phenomenal, it can be a phenomenal platform for storytelling as well when done right. What's the difference between somebody who makes a whole bunch of money as a professional bowler or a professional pool player and and the amount of time and effort it took to do that hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours and somebody who's a professional Fortnite player? What's the difference? Well, we may end up getting uh, this into other letters, but uh, I, that's why I kind of cut it short. Bowling and pool... Bowling and pool, like in the Great Lebowski, they, why why did you choose bowling? Well, because it's a game that you can uh, drink and smoke while you're doing at the same time. That, yes. that, that they flat out said that. So it's yeah. not the, the, these these activities aren't occurring in a church. I, I want to say that, but it is it is abundantly clear for anybody who's paying attention that the video game world for young males is a place where they go and they just they don't come out. It it has a verifiable addictive qualities to it and while i i know 50 how, years ago parents didn't say the same thing about a pool hall well kid, I, my, they my said kid, that, my kid they is, is no they, I we had said to have truancy laws because my kid was skipping it doesn't church, take skipping place, school to go to the pool hall it doesn't take place in a church that was my whole point about okay. this and this isn't footloose i'm not telling you not to dance but i this is <laughs> nice this, this is nice it, it had young males go to a they, and they they just in this day and age they just flat out don't come out. And this is where I've mentioned it many times on the show before we even talked about this, where Steve, I'm not, 
old Steve, yes. And this Steve, while he's doing it, he's listening to sermons oftentimes. So he's, Steve is a, is a Renaissance man. His head is in all kinds of places. He's not the norm when it comes to video games. That's where your arguments... Now, let me support your argument. You want to know why I don't have a college degree? I know. Maybe I haven't told this story in a while. I don't have a college degree because I flunked out of school at Michigan State University because I spent an entire semester doing two things. Well, other than eating every single box of Lucky Charms uh, in the uh, Wonders Hall cafeteria, right? Other than that, the other two things I did was uh, intramural basketball, which I, I, that's, when I, that's when I first learned you can't eat yourself out of terrible, you can't work yourself out of terrible eating because I was playing two, three, four hours of intramural basketball a day. And I still left after two years at Michigan State, I still put on like 80 pounds. Right. So um, that's number one. And number two was Super Tech Mobile, the first football game that ever came out where the actual players and the stats and the real schedule, you know, the stuff we all take for granted when you buy a Madden football game today, that first came out back then. And that's before these games were in now. Yeah, you look at the graphics now. We thought it was revolutionary in 1992 and 1993. You look at it now and you're like, this, how would, why would anybody play this for more than 10 minutes? But these games also occur in the equivalent of a chat room now. You're you're connecting online with people, which is very, so it's almost like a, the, um, the, this is where Dennis Miller comes into play. When, if they can make, uh, online virtual reality uh if you can have sex with claudia schiffer and virtual reality it's going to make crack, crack look like Sanka. Like Sanka. Yeah. Yeah. and there's an element of that to this yes and so i draw i flunked out of school because i didn't go to a, a class that entire semester as i played out back then i think we had 28 nfl teams so i played out every game for every team and i would just sit in my dorm hall and for that's hours you. doing that but that was a with different your- me but that was a different me It was a different me, then, me but it was, you still had your capacities yeah. that you could help you. There's a lot of people out there who, their, their lives, ultimately, they're called to be blue-collar, very existence that's the, very normative. You know, but people are pulled into this virtual world because See, it's just I, better I, than I, what they the, would rather tolerate. I don't disagree with that. I just think the same thing is true of my phone. I think the same thing is inherently true of almost every technological advancement we make. I mean, people used to, you know, 75, 80 years ago, people lost it on Billy Sunday, who was the precursor to Billy Graham, when he started doing radio okay. ministry. Marconi, you, it's the you're same, not, Satan's You're not wrong, but, but then yes. we need to ask the question about who's, you know, like functional alcoholics. Are, how, how hard are you getting pulled in to the point that you aren't contributing anywhere else? This is like your foreign policy issue. Mm-hmm. We need to make distinctions case by case mm-hmm. about this. And we can't just say, I mean, what you're talking about is reasonable. You take that too far. We're dealing in whataboutism here. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, we got to just get to now. See, we see, haven't even I, asked I, one question. Yeah. I see. <laughs> so with, with this thing, what's, so the, the, the question that you asked, what's the difference between professional bowling, uh, professional pool players? Yeah. And video games. Well, I at, at the very essence of this, there are a couple of distinctions that I don't I don't know that um, are necessarily super important, but I'm going to make them anyway. Um, at least there's a chance for actual community and uh, interacting with other real people in person in bowling in pool. We are created beings by God who are created for community. It is not the same, and I'm not going to debate this at all. 
interacting with Poning Noobs 069 on Fortnite is not the same as interacting with a live real person in person at the pool hall or at the bowling alley. It's not the same thing. Even if you're talking to them with a microphone, it's not the same thing at all. That is not uh, that is not the, the, the same thing at all. So there at least there are some at least there are some opportunities for for social contact. Now you will come back and say, well, if you're going to be really great at something, even if you're a great bowler, even if you're a great pool player, you're probably not going to be concerned with talking to other people whatsoever. And that is true. And so when we come down to this issue, at the very essence of this issue is where are your priorities lying? You could say the same thing about a great football player, but football and team sports by their very nature are teaching you great life lessons about what it means to make sacrifice for other people, what it means to uh, put your put others' uh, needs first before yourself. Um, basically the same thing. You're learning some really good character building st- skills just by the nature of team sports. With solo sports, not so much. So the question you have to ask yourself is, are you willing, is it a worthwhile thing to encourage or be open to being really, really, really good at something, at a craft, at a sport, at a, at a video game, if it means the cost of that is not developing these other skills, like um, how to be a good man, how to be a good husband, uh, practical life skills like that. Is that something that you're willing to take? Is that a is that I, a risk? I that think that I make? wholeheartedly agree. I just think that's inherent collectively across the board. I mean, do you know the average NFL player ends up bankrupt four within four years after leaving the league? I would within I, four years after see, leaving the league, they're see, bankrupt. See, all of, Why? Because all, all they did was because they didn't learn those same life skills by 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 because they were spent too much time on a tackling dummy. Nobody's encouraging that or saying it's good though, and I'm not no, I'm not sure if you are. You don't think people encourage that person to keep working on that tackling dummy, then learn how to balance a checkbook? I'm well. I'm just saying, if it comes at the cost of these other things, is that really a good thing? Then no, it's not. If you can't do, but that's true. Uh, that that's been the point I've been trying to make. Is is I think that's true across the board of, of, of virtually anything we attempt to make a living out of. But here, here, let me get to another one. This is one is this one is in you guys' favor. Okay. I'm about seven years younger than you and Todd, and I grew up playing computer games, watching traditional sports on TV. I currently watch eSports. Oh, no. Okay, the next one is for you guys. This one is more in my favor again. Sorry. Um, I currently watch eSports as, almost as much as I watch traditional sports. I don't know that it's necessarily because it's an, it's an eSport, but more so because you can consume it in the way most new media is consumed by younger people today. It's all freely broadcast online with video on demand available immediately afterwards. There are leagues where they play a regular season with playoffs and have a giant playoff tournament at the end of the season every year. In that league, every player has a minimum guaranteed contract of $12,500 a season. Most players make significantly more through endorsements, sponsors, Sponsorship, streaming, etc. In May of last year, ESPN Plus secured the TV distribution rights to the U.S. League, and that deal was estimated to be anywhere from 300 to 500 million for a multi-year agreement. I think Todd and Aaron are completely off base. I don't see any fundamental difference between an esport and a traditional sport as it relates to being a valid profession. The ratio of number of basketball players that spend hours playing that game that have 0% chance of ever making it to the NBA is probably similar to the number of gamers that play with no chance of making a profession in it. 
a profession of it. No one is saying basketball hoops need to be removed. There's also a number of ways to make money playing games online besides as a professional esports player. The most popular streamers that play video games on their streams make significantly more than the average esports player. Most of the esports franchise organizations started out as game-related websites where they made money catering to gamers. I don't think it's a great career choice for most people, but if you have a child that is extremely skilled, I would rather them play esports professionally than actual real football. That is from Miles oh, McElroy. That last point is... He's probably talking about the concussion danger is what he's concerned I, about. Still, though, and I thank you for the letter, but that last, especially that last point just was the exclamation point on something that just generally made me very sad. Um, and that, actually, I think maybe Steve was... You were just fine until that last part, too, because there's no way you can even believe no, that No, my part. guess is, but, but I'm, I understand the concussion thing because of the hysteria about it. My guess is it's about that. Listen, okay? that's, to, to, to say, I, I, by the, is he saying what he's watching? I want to be clear because this isn't my, he's watching other people regularly mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. To, to compare that to watching football, basketball, any of the Olympics, that's like saying sitting there at the feet of Plato and learning is the same thing as uh, compulsively checking into random Twitter troll every day to have him direct your life. I I can't tell you how far away existentially the two are. The the beauty of the human uh, body's physical ability to... Is it the same as watching somebody bowl? To play... It's a, with a with a lung dart dangling from the side of their mouth and and uh and you know even, their size five x shirt over their forty eight inseam jeans. Even well, I, now you're taking. I, so, I think we're talking about professional. And yeah. actually, you're, so, you're really turning a, a professional bowler who can regularly turn out three hundreds. That's that's pretty impressive. To our generation, it is. Their generation doesn't give a rip about it. That's why bowling alleys are are you know. Well, our, our, our coffins. What do they give a rip? We're talking. We're we're talking about which is why play, bringing up Plato. We're talking about Eternals. We're talking about things that rise above just mere circumstance. I think you're I talking about that. I think he's just talking about video games. Well, in the I know. Same, in I, the same way, our grandparents, you know, didn't want the, didn't want their uh, kids hanging out. The, and I'm saying, you know, aim, our parents I'm saying, hanging out the pool hall. I'm finding out of Bob Vanderplant. So I'm saying aim higher. This can't, that this can't. If you have if you have put these two things on the same playing field, if you think someday we should be handing out gold medals at the Olympics for a video game player instead of what we do now, and it's the exact same thing, I'm just saying that that's a sad. They do it for curling. Of reality, they do it for curling, which is just about using a broom and drinking beer. They have a, they have they've got gold medals for curling. I think I think the assumption here is that we all assume that bowling and pool and curling are just uh, akin to all the other sports. I don't think anybody is making that contention. I don't know about you, Todd, but I'm certainly not making that contention. I'm not saying it's worse necessarily or better than esports, but there there are some distinctions here to be made uh, between those extreme examples. All right. I still feel like we're at the exact same impasse we were at before. Yep. <laughs> So it's not just me. <laughs> All right, we'll continue more of our virtual town hall on video games as a profession. Right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs>
Back here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. Hey, if you're struggling to meet your weight loss goals, maybe you've uh, been told, you know, I can eat whatever I want if I work out. Well, you know, if, if, if your body is metabolically trained, that's mostly true, but that's not a path to actually losing weight. Maybe you've been told, hey, it's you are what you eat. Well, you know, that, that, you know, that would, that's true from a health perspective. You're putting a lot of trans fats and, you know, additives and fake foods in your body. But if it's about weight loss, it's really about how much you're eating. All right. And now the difficult thing here though, is your body was created to crave and conserve calories. And it's only been, you know, we've got about 6,000 years of human history and it's only been like in the last century that food was readily available for mass populations and not just the 1%. So what do you do when you've got all of that cellular history in your body saying, hey, we need, we need food and we need to store the fat we have. And now suddenly you want to change your polarity here. You want to lose weight. Well, thankfully, your creator put a little molecule in your body. It's called OEA. And what it does is let the uh, brain know when the belly is full so the brain can then do its thing metabolically. Unfortunately, for, for too many people, we've just kind of run that stop sign so many times. The body just stopped listening. And that's where Riduzone comes in. It wants to boost your OEA by just putting in more OEA. It's not loaded with chemicals, additives, preservatives, uh, caffeine stimulants. That's why it's FDA accepted, gluten-free, vegan-friendly. It's just OEA so that you can get your portion sizes and your cravings under control. All right? So if you want to see, hey, is this what's been missing from my weight loss goals, go to Riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U. Z-O-N-E. Go to RidUZone.com, use promo code Steve, and they'll give you 30% off a three-month supply. All right, give you a full 90 days there to see if this if this is good habit forming for you. RidUZone.com, promo code Steve. All right, let's get back to our virtual town hall we're having this week on video games as a profession. Uh, this one is from Tim. I just turned 30 a couple of weeks ago. I had a good childhood, but video games from the time I was 12 became a constant source of entertainment for me. I played them as often as I could all the way up through college. I would get home from school and my friends and I would play video games together and then I would play them by myself. That culture is rampant on college campuses, I'm sure you can imagine. When I left college, I got a job in my field of study of engineering, and I have a good-paying job with a wonderful wife and daughter who is now three weeks old. It wasn't until I met my wife several years ago that I seriously began to question the influence of video games on me and my faith walk. Video games became the way I would interact and reconnect with my friends from college. This was my excuse for why I played them so much. However, when I met my then-girlfriend, she got me to really look at what video games were doing to me and what I was accomplishing with my life, which outside of my job was nothing. I would literally come home from work to play video games, and if it wasn't family or I wasn't visiting family or friends, this is most certainly what I would be guaranteed to be doing. And I came up with many excuses why what I was doing was fine, but boy, was I wrong. I have to say I'm with Todd and Aaron on this one. I think you're missing several factors that are left out of the argument. One, video games short-circuit the risk-reward center of the brain. This has been talked about in numerous academic journals and research programs, but the important point is that they give you the illusion of being you 
that it's you who is accomplishing these things. Normal life begins to feel dull and dreary by comparison. Why would I want to engage in real life, which presents numerous obstacles that are emotionally taxing when I could simply jump into an artificial world and become the hero? That's true of movies, television shows, any virtual arena that you enter into any form of storytelling. That part is true. That part is true. Do going to movies have any documented addictive properties like yeah. video gaming do? Yeah. Otherwise, why would they like, be? Why unless would they, they're porn. Well, well, yeah. Why? Then why? Why? Is, why is there so much obsession with these stars and what their lives are like? No, no, and, and everything never, else. I've that's, never ever gotten the sense that I accomplished anything after watching a movie. I mean, you're actually yeah. what the, the the emailer's point is that you're controlling things, yeah. and so there's some sort of weird illusion that you actually are controlling something and doing something yourself. I and think again, it's not point. hypothetical. It's I've never it's run in, I've never run into anybody who thought they could change reality because they won the big boss battle on uh, Batman what's, Arkham Asylum. But this guy what's just the said phrase, it. it just what's happens the What's you? the video game phrase that we drop here fairly off, uh, often? Uh, user achievement unlocked? Yeah. It's a, it's the same thing as, you know, you, you, you just bowled a 300 game. User achievement unlock. You 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 have a bold a three hundred game. I don't, Again, I don't, we're 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 conflating things here as if they there are they you know bowling by yourself being really really good at that is positively good. Yeah. And video game, you know, being good at video games is positively bad. And again, I think we we cannot lose. I mean, sure, I will grant you uh, that there are qualities in other forms of media with storytelling that are bad, um, that can be addictive, that are the same as in video games as well. But again, we cannot overlook uh, some of the things like what the emailer said, that there is this false sense of accomplishment. Right, let, let me now, get... with bowling, you actually are accomplishing that. With video games, it's just pixels yes. and zeros and ones. That's basically all it is. But it, it, it's just, just a, it's, it's, see, this is the, the argument you guys are making is that you, this is uniquely bad. No, we're and not. And to me, I just think no, it's just not. the same bad that we've always had to face. No. No, we're not. Now, I'm making that at all. There are some distinctions about video yes. games that can make them worse. And so... Because that's and, his point. His, his point, he's going to continue, is these are uniquely bad. His second point, video game manufacturers do the exact same thing. They constantly hold new carrots out in front of you to keep bringing you back and suck you into the game again. In other words, it's designed to be a drug. Why do you think... Well, that's why why do we do an overtime exclusively for our subscribers here and then and then promote it to non-subscribers? Why do we do that? Hashtag overtime is a drug. Yeah. Well, because because he's conflating this is a drug with a sales technique. Well, the last part is yeah. that because they're that, trying to make the you know detergent that you buy to yes. do your clothes a drug in that sense. Yes. So the second that's part just is marketing. But yeah. the, the the but the first part it, again this is not it's not hypothetical. This is you 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 again you uniquely go into this and you don't come out, both as a teenager and as an adult, he said, in a way that does not just, uh, apply to curling or bowling or or movies. It's it, we keep. There's no connection. There's something that's unique, and it's been documented Why through studies. Why is there a popularity with binge-watching nowadays? What's the point of that? Why do you think we do that? Why do we binge-watch? Yeah, why is that? Why is that? Because it's convenient. Why? What makes what's convenient about it? You just watch when you want to watch. It's, 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 it's a convenient escape. We're so, not saying that yeah, movies aren't yeah. an escape, but they don't operate. You don't you don't control it. You, you, here's what, a, here's what his third point. Oh, go ahead. Here's his third point. 
If we begin to have people who engage in this at a professional level, this will begin to trickle down even more than it already has to the younger populations. That's actually not how this works. Okay? It's because it's already trickled down that it has, the market doesn't create, let's assume, Tim, that's who wrote this. Yes. You're right, this is a drug. The market doesn't create the demand for the drug. The demand for the drug creates the market it's the other way around okay but naturally when people see someone who is successful like they are more likely to become a role model and thus you begin to do what they do even if you don't earn a living from it at least with actual sports you're forced to engage your whole body and mind into the activity and you're forced to deal with the consequences of your actions the real world and and, and the controls god has placed on it to teach us lessons as far as risk and reward are still in place not so for video games i don't agree with that I mentioned to you, I, I, what was the other thing that I did that cost me my college education? I didn't just sit around and playing Super Tecmo all day. What was the other thing I said that I did? Eating cereal. There I was another was. thing I said that I did. I played two to three hours of intramural basketball every oh, single day. Right. Every single day. How many guys go onto the golf course to escape being a husband and a father? Okay. Yeah. This is, this, this, see, Tim, no, no, Tim you, here's, here's what I think, Tim, reading your, when, I, when I read your email. You've heard me say before, you can always tell what a pastor is personally struggling with by what they preach the most adamantly against. You were a video game idolater, Tim. The woman you love opened you up to that. And now this is the classic case of, this is, this is some Baptists saw some, some, some teenage kids twerking and now all dancing no. is bad. No. All right? we, this is a revulsion against your own idol, which is healthy in some way. But you're, 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 we've latched on to the projecting part of this you now. keep They're, ignoring the studies that show how addictive this is to young males. The, the, those are there and they're undeniable. I, because I think every, all kinds of other things are addicting to young males. Anything that excludes a what, young male from, uh, is, from responsibility is addicting to a young male. What is your contention in all of this, Steve? Can you positively state your contention? Yes, I think I've positively stated it numerous times. See, I'm not sure. Anything can be an idol. Nothing is more uniquely idol, idolatrous than anything else. Which ones? Because say, we're idolaters. And I would say, yes, well, we, I would say, regardless of what you think, I don't think that things that can be easily made into idols, I think there are varying degrees, and we have to have room for distinctions in that. If you do meth when you're in high school, uh, and then you also, and then another kid does, uh, you know, chews tobacco for one time, which do you think has a stronger possibility of becoming addicted to that idol? It's the guy who did the meth. And I'm not saying that video games, once you do one, you're going to uh, you compulsively need it all the time. There are varying degrees of addiction. No idol, no idolatry whatsoever should be encouraged or being, okay, yeah, yeah no, this is fine. Uh, especially if there is evidence, as Todd has pointed out, as the emailers pointed out, that it is easier Wait. to get addicted to a particular uh, idol right, than uh, others. Uh, uh, don't so, just, let me again, put this in another context. Todd, if you're one of your daughters, landed a starring role on a, role on a fictional television show. Okay, and the role in and of itself had wasn't immoral, but it certainly wasn't you know meaning that she didn't have to take her clothes off or anything of that nature. Okay, um, she asked the scriptwriter, "Don't put the don't don't make me say the Lord's name in vain in my dialogue," and they honored that. Okay, mm -hmm. but there's nothing you know. Let's say it's a it's a common show that a lot of people like, even of a secular mindset. It doesn't really promote any particular moral value system that you're in favor of, but it doesn't require her to be explicitly immoral to play this role. Would you be proud of her for landing this starring role in the television show? 
Uh, probably yes. Okay, and 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 why? Well, ultimately, because if she's good at that craft, she can aspire to one day be in something like uh, Schindler's List. The bar is very high for excellence in that craft. Okay, so, but in essence, why is that any different than because the bar is not even anywhere in that ballpark for video games? How can you how can you say that? I'm, Easily because it's, you don't know the, you don't know what, the content what, of what every single have, what, game. What in the video game world comes close to Schindler's List? Well, Name f- it. Well, what in the what in the film world comes close to Schindler's okay, List? Okay, but we're talking about the, what in the video game world is on that for level every Schindler's of List. What else is? What, how many other things are made for every Schindler's List? That's no, a, that's no, no, a totally no, unfair. About, no, it that's isn't. A totally where, unfair. Where is comparison. excellence? The, no, the comparison is where is the bar for excellence within a given craft? Because yes, that's what you're yes, building for. Is, that's what you're aspiring if, to. And this is, and, and again, your contention, Steve, that anything can become an idol. I think that is a little bit different from the from the conversation that we're having. Video games as a profession. If a profession requires you to idolize something by the amount of time that you have to spend on it to become good at it in order to make a living at it, that is not something that should be encouraged or being fine with. On my contention, we we should just keep things uh, escapes, escapes. And if you've read Leon Wolf's piece here at The Blaze about professional gamers and professional streamers, there's a difference. I'm getting several tweets here saying there's a difference between professional e-gamers and those who stream online. You should look at some of the, uh, the the profiles that he features in his piece a couple months back about uh, streamers. They have basically no life. They have basically no uh, friendships. They have a lot of money, and they stream a lot, but they have none of those things. If your profession requires you to idolize something, yeah. I'm not sure that it's necessary. I totally agree something. with that. But you know what? That You just described most movie stars. No life. That's why they end up on drugs. That's why they end up in rehab. 17 marriages, 47 baby mamas. That's, that's, this is not unique. This is the human condition. That's true I'm of not, anything. I'm not encouraging anybody, but the difference that you're trying to make, you're, I think you're trying to have it both ways. You're fi- are you fine with people with encouraging your son? You, I mean, you said it before to go, hey, if you can make $900,000, you should do it at the cost of what we just talked about. Are you fine with that, Steve? No, but I reject the notion that he can only be good at it at that cost. See, that's, and that's, that's what that's I reject. Where we, that's where we disagree because okay. I think the bar, as Todd said, the bar is so high to be able to make that sort of success in in this arena that I don't think it is possible to be that successful in this arena without actually idolizing and making sure your sense of propriety is or having your sense of propriety all out of whack. That's well, where we, we disagree. We, we do and disagree. I don't, I don't think, we, I don't we do think disagree that's on that. reconcilable at this point. Yeah, I agree. I, if, if that's where we're at, it, it's similar to the Donald Trump point on Friday. If the argument, is, and I'm not drawing, saying you're making that point, but it's similar. If we're, at, if, if we're at a point where you need to believe Donald Trump is perpetually an instrument of righteousness, not can be, not will be, is, as a state of being, that he is an instrument of righteousness, is, state of being, unconditionally, we're never going to agree. And this probably isn't a good show for you. Because there's too many other things to go on in life without letting us make you mad all the time. Find something else. We got like 75 other shows at the Blaze. Go there. Pick one of the other 74. You know? Not saying that they're all here telling you that Trump is great, but maybe they'll do it better than us without making you mad. (laughs) All right? Similarly, if you think the only way to be good at this is to turn it into an idol, then I do reject that. Because in essence... The only way to truly be great at anything is to risk turning it into an idol. No, no. you're ignoring no. 
You keep living in this hypothetical world. You're ignoring the obvious evidence to the you contrary are, you, that affects real people, yeah. not constructs, in this world. Yep. Curling doesn't do it like that. Bowling doesn't do it like that. Everything else you've mentioned, it doesn't do it like that. It is gaming that does it. No, you idolatry at, does it. People you, go to idols because they don't like their well, reality. Under, and, it's, and, 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 and that's why here. I go there. Okay, I, I, that's why I went to the pool hall. That's why. That's why I that name a fifty other things I could name from another era. It's the same thing. The I, idolatry no. is the What's reason for the idol. What's happening in this era? Okay, the the you we keep the, examples that aren't impacting young males the way those things are. There's only one in this whole discussion impacting young males at the level they See, are. See, I disagree with that, and I think we're having the same argument other generations had about why is your nose in those book, damn books all the time? Why are, you, why are you skipping school to go to the pool hall all the time? It's the same arguments we always have. Why are you watching on, what are you sitting around listening to that radio all the time, waiting for your Ovaltine Dakota ring to come in? There's a great big world out there. Get off the floor. Go outside. You're sitting there watching TV all the time. All great. Now it's color, so you're never going to leave the house. We, it's the same thing. They we, actually we're idolaters leave the house now that's the difference that, the difference is that we're idolaters nothing's different nothing nothing is different we can turn anything into an idol i have sat here and competed in this industry with men who have done have said and written incredible things of nobility and virtue and thrown their life and their marriages away because of the idol of i've got to be number one success seat at the table etc they were they, they were they they were doing Schindler's List one day and and Cheeto Jesus saves the next. Okay, everything can be an idol because we're we idolaters. Keep, we keep Tim, who sent this email, you could turn your relationship with your wife into an idol. Anything can be an idol. Well, and other things though, it's the bar is much lower upon entry. I mean, you you start doing crack. Right away, there's no high bar there. It's a very low bar, and it's an, a ruthless idol instantly by definition. That's not the same thing as something with a very high bar that is actually worth entering into, but you lose a sense of proportion. Those are two so, different things. So I think, can I go ahead, Todd? No, 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 go ahead. I, can I just sum up what I think this conversation was mm -hmm. in three different parts? I only got like three of these emails. <laughs> yeah. uh, three different parts. One, I think we all agree here, maybe for different reasons, everything and anything can be become an idol mm -hmm. do we all stipulate to that amen i think yep. the second part of this is is gaming a worthwhile pursuit for the next generation i think we dis disagree um to some degree i think todd and i are one on one side and you're on a, on another as side as a profession as a profession we disagree i yeah. think it depends on what this what the gaming entails is what i think it depends on and then okay. I think the third part of this conversation is, is it possible to be great at something without it turning into an idol? And that's where we definitely huh. disagree on. I, I, I do think it's possible great at something without turning into an idol, but I think you risk turning anything you want to be great at into an idol. Yeah. Yes. And I think you have to be willing at times to say no. I think you have to be willing at times to, and I, to delay gratification in, or, in, in the pursuit of that greatness. Otherwise, anything you want to be great at can be an idol. I mean, how many times I had a great jump shot in high school and I got a 17 on the math portion of my ACT. Okay, that's why I couldn't get into the University of Michigan. If I had spent less time shooting jump shots for a high school varsity team I never played, could barely play for, as opposed to my math score, would I have gotten into Michigan? Yeah. So what was my idol? All that time I spent exercising my jump shot in the driveway, right? John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace.
on the Blaze Radio Network. 